You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. accomplishments for a writer is to create a character so interesting that they stand the test of time and become known the world over. That over a century later, people continue to create stories using this character. So it is with a character first published in 1887 by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Doyle, an author and physician, created the greatest detective of all time. No, not Batman, but rather Sherlock Holmes. Most of the original stories were narrated by Holmes' sidekick, Dr. John Wadston, with a few narrated by Holmes himself. Modern retellings of those tales have appeared on both the large and small screen, and tonight we're going to cover several of those, including the Guy Ritchie films, Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, as well as the BBC series Sherlock and the U.S. counterpart Elementary, both taking place in modern times. Now, I'm just going to come out and admit that though I've read several of the original stories, it's just a fraction of of the completed works which were published in the late 1800s and early 1900s. What about you? How many have you read? I I couldn't put a number on it, but yeah, I've read a selection. I can't say I've even come close to reading all of them. It's one of those where I actually, especially because of the Sherlock craze that has been happening since for a while now, especially since the first Sherlock movie came out, Sherlock Holmes, uh, in 2009. I mean, there had been a lot of work prior to that, but it was... It kind of snowballed between that and then the BBC series, which garnered a massive, very loyal audience. And now Elementary as well, which started in 2012, we're seeing a lot more people interested in the Sherlock mythos. And myself included, I actually started reading the... um, and see, I can't even remember which one it is because I put it on hold because I had so many freaking comics to read. <laughs> I need to get back to it. But yeah, I'm very interested in going back and reading all of these stories. Most of them, there's a couple that were actually novels, but most of them were short stories that appeared in novellas and whatnot. So yeah, I need to get back and read it because it's funny reading the books now having been watching these series and seeing so many of those similar quirks which they put in the movies and in the TV shows. Well, going back historically, the thing that amuses me the most is how uh, when Doyle killed off Sherlock Holmes because he's like, I don't want to write any more detective stories right now. I'd like to go do other stuff. And basically the 19th century equivalent of internet message boards <laughs> there's this huge collective uproar that eventually he, he's like all right all right fine and had to bring him back and of course we do our comic podcast and we see this so frequently we were just talking about it uh, earlier today with uh, them bringing back a character who had been two characters who had been dead and how it's so common and i guess he kind of pioneered that storytelling aspect you know it's funny because and again, this is something we've discussed at length on the comic book throughout the years now, where it's it's a double-edged blade because I personally hate 
when they kill a character off and you know it's only a matter of time before they come back there's no there's no permanence and it's it's annoying as all hell because then it's hard to take seriously that death that occurs that said i love it when they come back <laughs> and it's like if it's a heroic moment and you get this this character that comes back from the dead and and in terms of the story they can make it work and make it make sense it's like oh, that was awesome. That was epic. It's interesting because we've seen in the modern adaptations, whenever the story gets to that particular point, the, the filmmakers, the writers, what have you, have to come up with a justification of how he came back. Arthur Conan Doyle didn't bother. He just showed up one day. Well, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I faked my death. How? It's not important. <laughs> truth be told, they didn't really address it on Sherlock, the BBC series. They just basically gave a whole whack load of different scenarios of how it could have occurred. Some of them absolutely hysterical. And, and then like (laughs) the one that turned out to be like a fan fiction where him and Moriarty (laughs) are making out on the roof. (laughs) You can tell they're aware of Tumblr. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it was one of those things where, they just rolled with it in much the same way. So let's start off with the uh, the movies. So we have, again, Sherlock and Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. Uh, they released them in 2009 and 2011, respectively. Both directed by Guy Ritchie, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Jude, Jude Law, as well as some other similarity, similar actors. What's funny with these is that a lot of opinions were just at polar extremes of one another. And because of that, if you look at the Metacritic rating for both of these, it's in the toilet. I mean, when you're looking at the uh, the Metacritic for Sherlock Holmes is actually 57, whereas the user score is a 7.4 out of 10, which shows that people still enjoyed it quite a bit. And then for A Game of Shadows, it's 48 Now, see, this is where we can look, though, at how these numbers are so skewed by, by, and I'm using massive air quotes here, reviewers who should not be reviewing, that have no concept of what a review is. Because you can look at a, a review from the San Francisco Chronicle for A Game of Shadows. They gave it a zero. No movie is that bad that it should be a zero out of a hundred be a zero. You say this now, but um, be aware of what we're watching for our next episode. I still wouldn't give that a zero. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe close, but not a zero. So those numbers get skewed because of that. So that's something that you have to keep in mind. Of course, as with everything else, when you're reading reviews, what I've always told people is don't try to look too much at the score and whatnot. Find reviewers whose opinions you agree with and then go with that kind of thing. And that's because I enjoyed these two movies a lot. Now, Game of Shadows was not nearly as polished in some regards, I found, as was Sherlock Holmes. But in in some other ways, it did some things even better. Because you mm-hmm. got, by, by Game of Shadows, you had that relationship with Moriarty. And you don't really have that in the first one. He's, he's kind of, quote-unquote, there. But you, you really don't get much about him until 
way later on when Irene Adler is telling Sherlock that he's the one who's basically holding all the puppet strings. And so in A Game of Shadow, though, you're seeing that relationship. And of course, that is the iconic Sherlock Holmes villain relationship that there is. And you you also see that in both Sherlock as well as in Elementary. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. But uh, I don't know if you agree with that, like what you thought about both those two movies. If you had told me ahead of time that they were making Sherlock Holmes movie that was by design an action comedy, I, just sight unseen, I would have gone, yeah, that's pretty terrible. But you have the filmmaking style of Guy Ritchie, who I adore yeah. all, all of his films. I agree. And the undeniable screen presence of Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law it for the movie they're trying to make. You know, it might not be the movie you wanted them to make, but for the movie they were trying to make, I felt it was a huge success. I agree. I agree. It was, I really enjoyed it. And it's one of those movies that you can watch again and again. If you liked it the first time, you're likely to enjoy it each other time as well. Case in point, we recently watched A Game of Shadows a few weeks ago. And then last night I told the wife, hey, do you mind watching Sherlock again? Because... We're going to be talking about it tomorrow, so I'd like to watch it again. We've already watched the damn thing nearly a half dozen times. Watched it again yesterday, found things that we hadn't seen before, and enjoyed it just as much. It's it's a fun show. Now, again, like you're saying, Guy Ritchie has a very distinctive directing style, and it lends itself very well to these types of movies. And so if you enjoy that he does things with this movie that just make it something that is again it's fun to watch and it's it's not so so stupid that you feel like you have to take your brain off and think oh, it's an action movie i won't be needing this kind of thing no you can still think and enjoy it kind of thing so well, that that's a big part of, of it one of the interesting things is you hear so many complaints of how they turn sherlock holmes into an action movie which goes to show just how little of the Sherlock Holmes books those people have read. It was always action. Like, it's in the actual canon that he is, you know, a world-class hand-to-hand fighter. Like, he could have yeah. been a boxing champion if he wanted to. You know, he, he gets into gunfights. Like, that happened in the books. Now, of course, so many people have the, the idea in their minds of the old uh, Basil Rathbone movies from Universal, which I liked, you know, when I first saw them. That was my introduction to Sherlock Holmes as the character or – uh the Peter Cushing films for Hammer, which were just very strict, you know, detective stories. There was not that action element there. So that's the concept many people have going into these films. And they think that it's, it's some travesty when actually this is probably truer to the source than those classic films were. Yeah. And I really liked how Guy Ritchie approached the the you know the Sherlock hand-to-hand fighting bits of, yeah, okay, he obviously has some natural skill. But what makes him so formidable is his analytic mind and seeing you know, him play out the fight in his mind ahead of time and then do it. It was, it was great. And then when you get to the second film, the way they played with that uh, setup of you know, with the, the Cossack where he plans out the whole fight and then, of course, something he didn't account for happens or the bit at the end with Moriarty and the two of them. Yeah. Like, we, how many samurai films have we seen where the two samurais play out the battle in their mind? And it worked. It's brilliant. And they did it in a Sherlock Holmes movie, and it was just as effective. That's actually exactly what I thought when I was watching it. It made me appreciate it because it's funny when you're watching those samurai movies. um, Often you're going to see the characters, and they're just 
staring at each other and you're not seeing them actually imagining all of the strikes and what would occur. In some cases you are, but often you're just seeing and you, you, it, it pulls on the imagination of the viewer. You have to be imagining what is going on in their heads and that they're playing through everything to the conclusion kind of thing. Whereas here, you're seeing it and it was so well done in terms of the directing and the fast cuts and everything like that, that it makes it engaging. It makes it a lot of fun to watch. And it also shows you that it is such a cerebral thing and not to, to certainly boast or anything, but I actually been martial artist for years. I only just since my knees went to crap that I, I stopped and I'd been practicing for, you know, over a decade and it's, I've done a lot of different sparring and, and constantly all the time. And it's amazing how much of a fight is cerebral. It's not just the instinct of in that moment and moving, but it is so very much about sizing up who you're against at every moment. The, the slightest shift in the foot from moving, say, to the ball of the foot and twisting ever so slightly inward you know, okay, I know that this kick is coming. Or I can see his upper torso shifting a little. I know there's a punch coming. And so seeing that in the movie, I loved that. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. And and then I like to, and this is something that we see in the other ones, although not really as much in Elementary, but in Sherlock, where the, they're using, the director uses interesting ways of getting us into the mind of this character. So with Sherlock, we have those moments, Sherlock Holmes, I should say. And then with the BBC Sherlock, we have the moments where he sees the words flashing, where he's reading people, events and things like that. And it's one of those things where I, I have not spoken yet to anybody who doesn't like that. I, I can imagine some people might find it off putting, but I, I see it so well handled that again, this type of person with this type of intellect would see things that you're not seeing and would, you know, seeing the words everywhere. I love that effect. Well, also more to the point from a filmmaking standpoint, you need a way to visually process to the viewer a, a, a mental thought. And you, you have to sometimes go abstract with that because you know, Sherlock Holmes is operating at such a higher level than everybody else. And that's what I've always loved about the character is you know, that aspect of him, that you need an interesting visual way to play it to the audience. And I, I can't think of any format that it, where they've strayed into the abstract that it hasn't worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. So with the movies, the first one deals with uh, Lord Blackwood, who basically they deal with some kind of supernatural black magic thing. Whereas the second one is with Moriarty and it's much more of a detective story of who is the most intelligent because it's always as if Moriarty is one or more steps ahead kind of thing. Which of the two did you prefer the story wise? I kind of figured you with that black magic kind of the first one that you'd enjoyed more. That's it. Overall, yes, but again, the, the 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 cat and mouse with Moriarty was fascinating. Like any scene in the second film that didn't have Moriarty in it wasn't as interesting. But it, it's kind of in contrast because when you have the two of them together, it's magic. Well, the thing too is that again with with um, Moriarty in the Sherlock movies with uh, Jared Harris was. He's 
absolutely fantastic in the role. And that's one of the things that I liked too, discussing this here where we're discussing the various characters. When you're looking at all of these Sherlock stories, each of them tries to pay homage to the originals. And so with the Sherlock movies, of course, them taking place in the same time frame, they're really staying fairly true to the characters and whatnot. Whereas with Sherlock, the BBC series in elementary, they're really playing with the, the, the canon because they're modern retellings. So with Sherlock, you have Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman playing the roles in current London, whereas with Elementary, you have Johnny Lee Miller and in an interesting twist, Lucy Liu playing Watson and they're in New York with Johnny Lee Miller actually being from England, having moved to New York, but Lucy Liu being an American. And then they kind of play with the stories even more than that. So when you're looking at the similar characters, like your Moriarty, like your uh, Lestrade, Detective Lestrade, like with um, Irene Adler as well, there's different characters, and Mycroft, his brother, there's different characters that show up through all of them. And then you kind of get to... Okay, which one do you actually prefer? Whether, not just the <laughs> actor, but the, the, the characters. I mean... Jude Law does such a phenomenal job as Watson. He really does. And I, I, I love him as an actor as well. But Martin Freeman is like, I have so much love for him. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but then they're so freaking original shooting in Lucy Liu as Watson for elementary that I, I, oh God, I talk about love. I just adore her. <laughs> so I don't, which one do you actually prefer? It's it's, it's impossible hard, yes. because they're so they're they're three so very unique interpretations of the character, and what what's best about that role is you can't mix and match because what makes each of them so special is the chemistry they have with their Sherlock counterpart. Like yeah. if you'd switch Jude Law and Martin Freeman, it wouldn't work because it's a completely different character dynamic. So it's really hard to place. Yeah, it's a, it's a casting. They did such a great job. And then when you're looking at, I love Stephen Fry as Mycroft in the movies, but then who doesn't like Stephen Fry kind of thing? <laughs> I actually am not crazy. I like the Mycroft from from Sherlock. He he does, Mark Gattis, Gattis, whatever. He does a great job. I'm actually not crazy about the Mycroft they chose for elementary though. I know they're playing him off to be an idiot and they're kind of hinting that there's a master plan there somewhere, but the character himself and the actor, not so crazy about him, actually. Might as well put it out there. I'm actually not crazy about a lot of the stuff they do in elementary. Really? Mm -hmm. We actually started watching it not that long ago and got caught up and we are pretty seriously hooked right now. Now, that is not to say that I put it on par with the BBC Sherlock because that is... I, I, I don't even think that's possible. I, there's very few shows that I put on par with the Sherlock, BBC Sherlock. I'm that impressed with it, as are a lot of other people. But I really do like Elementary a lot. I like the characters. Johnny Lee Miller, though, of course, not a Benedict Cumberpatch, does a great job with it. And because they changed it so much where, you know, he's a recovering addict, which the addictions are in all of them, including the novels. I mean, they talk about him doing heroin and morphine in the, no in the, in the books and stories. So having that addiction and different things throughout both of these 
makes sense. And I like how he's working through the program and he's a recovering, you know, addict. And then the changes that they made with Lucy Liu, the changes with the dynamics of the police force he works with, because now he's working with the New York police force. And more importantly, and, and this is where for me, I think it actually wins is their interpretation of Moriarty. I think that is better than any of the other ones. And yes, it's like way different than what should be the canon and all that. But my God, I, I think it's brilliant. Well, yeah, I, the the BBC Moriarty, while interesting, it definitely pales in comparison to uh, the movie Moriarty. And I, I will say even the elementary Moriarty was very well handled. That's it's what I mean. Me, I mean, the, the elementary one is my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's just for me, like, I can't separate elementary from any of the other, you know, mystery of the week shows or even on that same network with, you know, the CSIs and NCIS. And it just like the individual mysteries, they're they're fun, they're compelling. It's a matter for me of like character growth of, you know, there's there's always a very specific narrative arc with Sherlock Holmes. And personally, like the the more like attuned with society Holmes naturally becomes over the source of his over the course of his character progressions, the less interesting he is to me. So like I love like the early BBC stuff, but as we start going through season three and he becomes, you know, more of a fully functioning human, I it kind of loses something for me. So when you have look at elementary being a weekly US TV series with a much different format, it's they can't progress the character that quickly. So he's just very, very static. And like I said, it's, it just feels way too much of a mystery of the week type TV show for me. And I just really have trouble getting into that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with you on that, of course. And it is very much typecast of a lot of what we are seeing on TV there. There's enough different in terms of the characters and, and I feel the characters are well enough defined that I like the relationships. I like that Aiden, Aiden Quinn's in it too. It's nice to see him in a regular role kind of thing. Although the thing with the hair changing color all the time, this is supposed to be the greatest detective and nobody brings it up. <laughs> so, <laughs> enough with the hair. Uh, He's not keeping quiet out of politeness. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> so, um, but I like it. And then of course, again, I, I like Lou. We both of us, wife and I, like Lucy Lou. Love, oh, love absolutely! Her so it's fun seeing her in a role like this, kind of thing. Uh, although I really wish they did more with her and gave her more of, even though mm-hmm. a lot has been going on in her quote unquote career, kind of thing. I'd like to see more personal growth on her end and not just on the Sherlock's end, kind of thing. See, it, it, it's just a difficulty with that format of giving the characters room to go while still doing a compelling standalone episode every single week. It's, it's a difficulty of the format. But the, the thing too, is that we're comparing it to Sherlock mm-hmm. and that is not a fair comparison for sure. several different reasons. Not just because I, and I'm going to point blank say it, it is far and away better. It's better directed. It's better acted and it's better written. So that's just the way it is. But that being said, they have their, their, their episodes are like an hour and a half each. So you're watching damn near a short movie with each one, which gives them a ton of time for character progression, story progression, all kinds of different stuff that they can't do in the 45 minute episode that they do for elementary. Yeah. And, and like I said, it's, it's it, I can't fault 
anything they're actually doing. Like I said, uh, the, I agree with you 100 percent on a lot of the casting decisions. It's just it, – like I said, for me, the format doesn't work for I, a, a good Sherlock Holmes story. For I, I'm not going to disagree with you. And again, it's, it's one of those where we can easily look at um, other BBC series – Compare them to similar North American series and be able to see that it's not for everybody. Not everybody likes that. But, I mean, compare Luther, which is an absolutely brilliant BBC cop story, to a North American cop story counterpart Mm -hmm. that uses so many similar cliches that have always been used in North American cop shows. And then watch Luther. And be blown away by the story and the angst and how deep it is. So, and I think that that's part of what it is as well. And and we're lucky that Sherlock was done on BBC and by the people who are doing it as well, because it winds up being absolutely freaking brilliant. Now that said, I will say I did really enjoy because I, I haven't watched a great deal of Elementary. I guess it, it doesn't. Oh, okay appeal to me is like, I'm going to watch it every week. I catch episodes now and then, you know, I'll go on demand and I'll, I'll pick and choose some episodes. Uh, b- in preparation for this recording, I actually went back and I watched uh, the, the story arc they did this past season with Lestrade. Right. And I have to say, I did really enjoy, you know, that interpretation of Lestrade of how, you know, as a person, he completely fell apart once Sherlock left, despite the fact he was still a good detective. So like, I, I will give credit where credit's due. I did really enjoy that particular and Sorry, it's, and it's funny because while I didn't mind that one, it wasn't one of my favorites. Like again, mm-hmm. in preparing for this, I'm looking at some of the the episodes that I really liked, and the ones with Moriarty before it was revealed that she was Moriarty. When you're looking at, there was like four, I believe, episodes there that she was in. Again, the before, and then when you're finding out that it is she is in fact Moriarty and everything. That's all in season one, and then you're seeing her also in season two, where they they've got her caged up. Well, not really. It's in a freaking nice warehouse type setting, <laughs> but uh, and they're kind of quote unquote using her for information. But those episodes with her were absolutely fantastic really really good stuff i thoroughly enjoyed them and as i said her as moriarty is by far my favorite interpretation of moriarty from all of them because you wind up thinking that it might be somebody else you wind up what the hell is his name dude that was in all of the ironically guy Ritchie movies he was uh he was in Snatch and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm going to see if I can find out what we're talking. But uh, but he's in, and you think that he's going to be the one that is Moriarty, and it turns out that no, he he works for her, and she's not just the brains, but the the psycho behind the operation. <laughs> yeah, I'll admit the fact that I can't get into it as far as like a weekly viewing i i'm probably missing some of like the larger overarching story stuff that holds a lot of it together i said i've, I've watched some individual episodes and they're not bad it's just not gripping me yeah it's vinnie jones by the way of course yeah. um so that, that, that's who i was going to say yes yeah. <laughs> but i because I, I i said i missed some of those early moriarty episodes but as soon as you said the guy that's in all the guy Ritchie movies i was like oh it's gotta be vinnie jones yeah. <laughs> so some of uh, well, just to stick with 
what I'm thinking is our favorite out of all of them too, the, the BBC Sherlock one. I don't know if you have any favorite episodes. I was looking at them and I was thinking like some of my favorite ones are the introductions to different characters like Moriarty. So you had the great game where it introduced their version of Moriarty, who's a fantastic character. And they kind of made him much like this Sherlock, a little bit more wild than what we're used to. In like the movies, the Moriarty is far more reserved and calculated. We're here, it feels like he could lose control at any moment. And then you have the ad- introduction to Irene Adler, the nominatrix. That was a brilliant episode. Well, all of the ones with her, because of the relationship between her and Sherlock, mm-hmm. were so good. And then one of the ones that had nothing to do with that, but kind of a throwback to the the books, was The Hounds of Baskerville. Oh, yes, absolutely. Which was such a great episode and i like how he keeps playing on that word nobody says hounds anymore why why hounds <laughs> and everything i i that's one of my favorites there is yeah it's easily it's the, the the hounds the the irene adler and this past season the the wedding episode i actually yes. really enjoyed i said on, on one hand like it i have i said it's my own personal tastes of, you know, like I said, how when Sherlock stops being Sherlock and starts being, like I said, you know, an actual person, he grows less interesting to me. So we see, like, that character development. But at the same time, it's such a well-done episode from a filmmaking standpoint of all the various plot points tying together and the absolute awkwardness of, you know, him being up there in front of the wedding party. So it, it, that was a very enjoyable episode because I said overall season three wasn't all that exciting to me, but that particular episode and the way it was made was a standout. I actually have been enjoying this season and I like that one too because what happens is that – he, he, as he's talking, he's point blank saying he's not a nice person. He's not a good man. Mm-hmm. But you get that idea that maybe he's trying even more than normal. And then you get to the. I, I just like him better when he's a jerk. I agree. So. <laughs> but then you get to the end where it's like he's 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 trying to fit in, but the world is not letting him, mm-hmm. not accepting him. Like when he's alone on that dance floor. He's, he, it's almost as if he's ready to be accepted in, but nobody wants to be with him. So then he takes off and you get that feeling of, okay, well, you know what? I tried. It didn't work. Screw you all. I'm back to normal kind of thing. <laughs> That's how it feels. It felt to me. And so there's, there was a lot more that wasn't said that was written in between the lines that I really, really enjoyed about that, that episode, but also about this season. So they said it, it, it's, it's my own personal taste. Yeah. Yeah, I, I as a as a as a character, I I can't begrudge the character growth. I'm just saying I like the undeveloped version of Sherlock more than you know we see of him later in his storylines. Yeah, not going to disagree. So that is going to wrap up this shorter episode. I uh, like I said, I didn't want us to actually dive into everything about every episode in the movies and whatnot, but just an overarching kind of discussion about the various homes, the various Watsons, and see which ones are our favorites. So this was a lot of fun. Make sure to check out the show notes at popcornronin.com and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions of things you'd like us to watch, by all means let us know on the site. With that, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.
more movie, TV, and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out their comic book informer podcast and Internet Dragons TV gaming videos. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Mm-hmm.